the Lord of Lords. He's a wonderful Savior. Praise God forevermore. You may have your seats and find your comfortable place there at home. We want to thank you for joining us today in this time of worship here uh, from uh, PCC here in New York. And we thank uh, God that we're able to reach uh, to so many far places, not only in the metro area and in the states, but also even across the oceans. We thank God for the privilege we have to uh, bring a word from the Lord for all of us today. And church, we're excited because uh, in a few weeks, you'll be hearing some announcements about our regathering again. We're not ready to do that announcement now. Obviously, we still have some things to do with the building and make sure that our staffing is in place and all things are in, in order so that when the congregation comes to worship, we have a very safe environment and we have an environment that's conducive to not only our fellowship, but also to be able uh, to um, meet the needs of our congregation, both young and, uh, and, and, and old. And so we thank God that, um, that we're able to be moving along that path. There's a level of excitement because we want to make sure the building is ready. We want to make sure that our staff is as trained as possible in order to be able to serve you uh, the way you deserve to be served. So there are a lot of pieces that need to be in place as we prepare, as we get ready for reconvening. But, you know, one element that I do not want to neglect, and that's what I want to preach about today or bring you some wise counsel from Scripture is, yes, the building will be ready when we announce in a few weeks. The staff and the team will be ready as well. But I think everyone as a congregation needs to be ready to come back for our reopening. So I want to use the counsel of the Apostle Paul to the Romans in chapter 12 to talk to you under the subject of as we get ready to reopen, as we get ready to send down that announcement and tell everyone to come back, I think what we need to do is not only the building will be set, the staff will be ready, but you and I as congregants, there are things we need to work on, re-examine again, because things will be different when we congregate. It will not be the same as it was in the past. There will be some distinct physical differences. There will be also some social differences that we'll have that, you know, we didn't have to worry about back in January. Uh, but now we do, you'll be seated in different locations and all that. But also, we need to come in with a fresh perspective. Or maybe it's just a renewed perspective on things that we might ha not have thought about in a while. And I want to use the counsel of the Apostle Paul to the Romans uh, to get ourselves as prepared as possible. So if you go with me to chapter 12 of the book of Romans, I like to use... Um, just an expository way of looking at it. We'll look at certain verses, and, and then I want to highlight some things that I think we need to have current in our mind with regard to what we need to do, what you and I need to do to get ready for reopening. The first thing is in verses 1, 2, and 3, I want you to notice with me right off the bat in the first sentence, it says, it says Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. So this advice is not for the general public. This advice and counsel, this, these words of wisdom are for the believers, brothers and sisters. And for us, it's for the church. That we need to make sure we have these things back in our minds, in the forefront of our minds, but not just in our minds. We also have to start acting because thoughts are wonderful, but thoughts are, remain thoughts unless you put actions to them. 
So the church needs to realize that this counsel is for us, that we need to reexamine. And in verses 1, 2, and 3, what comes out that I want to just share with you today is that we need to work at renewing our thinking. It says in one of the verse, in, in verse 2, it says, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We cannot continue to think in the same frameworks that we've had before, but we need to be able to come forward in a new, more uh, productive and progressive way of thinking of, of how we're going to do what we do. And I believe it begins with, it, it begins with the renewing of the mind. And that is that there, there are thought patterns that we have that we need to reconstruct. There are thought patterns that we have that we actually need to discard that thought patterns that we have that we need, might just need to modify here and there. But the, when, you hear the, when you see the word transforming, it's really about replacing, about discarding what was in the past and making something come forth that doesn't look anything of what it was in the past. Now, that seems like it's extreme, but, you know, we need to start working at neutralizing dark and negative thinking, dark and negative conversation. When we come back... They're, they're, Leave little room for complaining because I'm telling you right now, things will be different. So don't ask, where did they put my chair? Your chair no longer exists. You know, where, where am I going to sit? We'll find a place for you as long as we meet all the requirements. We have to work hard now at being transformed in our mind and the way that we think. The way we think will, will guide us forward to acting in a certain way. We need to dwell on productive things. Although our building will be different, our setting will be different, our worship times will be different, our service time will certainly be different. But we need to think that these things are necessary for now and dwell on the productive. It's almost like hitting a reset button and we're starting over again. So we need to be transformed in how we, we can be productive in, our, in the way we think and the way we do things. We need to be transformed in our mind, not just a... Uh, in those areas, but also we need to become masters, be transformed in our minds to be masters of our human urges, our human passions, and our human desires, and our human way of, of doing things. Now you're saying, oh no, not that. Yes, that. We need to master urges, passions, desires, and habits, and let the work of the Holy Spirit uh, make us new and refresh us. Uh, no one is better than anyone else. We all have to submit ourselves to the renewing of the mind, to rethinking again. And church, just to be clear, that can only happen not through human effort. It has to be through us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. The second thing that, I, that, that Paul counsels that I want to pick on and lift it up right now so that we can talk or we can share on this for a moment is celebrating diverse gifts. Uh, you're going to notice when we come back that people will be functioning in different ways than they were functioning before. One of the things that we learn by the work of the Holy Spirit, not only does He empower us to renew our thinking, but it's also the Holy Spirit that brings gifts and allows gifts to rise to the surface in every single one of us. So we, not, we might not be able to do this task or that task, but together we can do an incredible work of ministry in this place. If you notice in the text that I'm highlighting, verses 4 through 8, Verse 6 in particular, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. And people will be functioning and moving in ways that, you know, you may not have seen them before. But that's because we celebrate in this church. What I want to happen is to continue to celebrate the unique giftings of the people that we have here. 
I mean, we're going to see even our, the, the, the most, many times the most overlooked or the many times overlooked uh, uh, leaders and people that serve here. And that's the people that do our sound and the people that do our audiovisual right now. You're going to see them more prominently displayed when you come back. Uh, what we need to do is celebrate. That is what has gotten us through the last three months is being able to use technology to get into your home, to get to your car, to get into your smart device. And I believe God just knocked on the door of our heart and said, maybe you should look at this a little further to continue or expanding what we have. Come on, you can praise the Lord if you, if you can right there in your home. So they're diverse gifts, gifts that are being placed by these men and women and young people, many young people, at the feet of the master. So we'll have ushers, we'll have our pastors, and we'll have our deacons, we'll have our ministers, we'll have musicians, we'll have people doing what you had seen before. But you'll also see a cadre of new individuals coming in that will help you. Make sure you wear your mask. <laughs> Make sure you sanitize your hands. Maybe even take your temperature. We don't know. Finally, what we will actually do, we're preparing all of those things. But we need to celebrate the diverse gifts. And every gift is vital. If you look at those verses, vital uh, to make up the body. We are all wired differently, yet we are one church. We all serve in different ways, but we are one church. Gifts come from God. They're not, gifts are not attached to titles. I've seen people with no title serve with distinction and vice versa. So gifts are not attached to titles or appointments or anything like that. Gifts are bestowed by God. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and he places the seeds of, of gifting in your heart. What you do with your gifts is your business. You have to nourish them. You have to allow them to blossom. You have to nurture them so that those gifts can truly blossom to the greatness that God wants. But they come from the Lord. So this church, we need to be aware that we want to celebrate the diverse gifts of the people that worship in this place. The third thing is an old theme, but it's a new theme, and it's a constant theme. That's verses 9 through 13. If you look there, he opens up in verse 9 by, by making this very dramatic statement to believers. And even the rest of the content in 9 through 13, he's talking to believers. Look at what he's saying to them. He says, love must be sincere. So the, the, the third element I want to bring to you today as we prepare to reopen is we need to love sincerely. But if he was talking to believers, then we have to conclude that there was actually what looked like love, but it wasn't sincere. Because why would he say love has to be sincere? Also, we have to conclude that obviously people hated evil more than good because why would he say hate what is evil and cling to what is good in the body of believers? And church, we need to reexamine. I hope that this time of being locked up, and I don't mean locked up in prison, although many times it might have felt that way for you, but being away from our normal activities, that you were able to reexamine yourself and what makes you take and what makes you move forward and what makes you flow. We have to move forward from a place of sincerity. And really, sincerity speaks about motives. You love simply because that's how we have received uh, from the Lord is that love. Love that is sincere is love that's, love that's lived out in integrity. That it is not an expectation of anything back. It isn't that I'll bless you so that you can bless me. It's simply just to give out. He's saying in these verses very clearly that we need to love with integrity, love sincerely. We need to run away from evil. And hold on. I like the word that he uses there, cling. That means to forcefully attach yourself to because there's going to be temptations and things that will move you this way or that way. But we need to make sure that we cling to what is good. 
If you continue reading, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above ourselves. That speaks of countering this impulse of pride that sometimes can come in uh, to us. We don't want to cling to titles and, and appointments and all of that stuff. We're all made in the image of God. Every one of us is important and matters in the eyes of God. We need to be able to uh, consider one another and never lose our, our zeal and, and the spiritual fervor that we should have in serving the Lord. We need to do that. We need to be joyful in, in hope. We need to be patient in affliction. That's a tough one. Faithful in prayer. Sharing with the, uh, the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Be sincere. Run from evil. Hold on to what is good. Love brings the best in others. Walk with those that are in need. Be warm and friendly and kind. We need to make sure that we love sincerely. When we come back and we fill this place, that we can emanate not the love that is described in cards and in, uh, in, in, in movies, and, but the love of God in our lives. That is a love that is giving, constantly giving. So he says to uh, renew our thinking. Church, we need to do that. Celebrate the diverse giftings among us. Three, love sincerely. But look at number four. and This one is very powerful as well. Of uh, my, my fourth observation from verses four, 14 through, through 20. And here I've captured this by saying we need to handle pushback with dignity. Do you remember the way you used to handle conflict and difficulties before you came to the Lord? Aren't you glad, and the world should certainly be glad, that you've changed since then? Because oftentimes our reaction was, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. And hit you back so that you don't get up. You tell me off, I'm going to tell you off more eloquently than, than what you're saying. There's always this inclination to get back when we have pushback. And church conflicts are going to come. Controversies are going to come. And in this text, in this context, persecution is going to come. But we need to rise above the fray. And we need to look at how he says it. Remember, he's talking to the church. He's saying in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. That's contrary to our human inclination. He's saying, bless those, bless, do not curse. Oh, come on, you know that that's difficult to do in the natural. But we need to handle pushback with dignity. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Look at this one. Live in harmony with one another. I mean, you don't have to go too far than the, than the current affairs that are going on in this country. We are more divided than ever before. We are more divided. People choose to focus in on a handful of individuals that are causing violent actions when legal protesters are protesting. People choose to look at the negative. And lose sight of what the real purpose is for voicing your concerns. But what does that do? It has divided our... We are more divided now than ever before. And church, sadly to say, as a pastor who's been around for a, a while, who's gone around the block a couple of times, even in the church, even in the church, we have to rise up and work at living in harmony with one another. And if, if he's saying live with one another, he's not talking... This sometimes is mistaught. And is that the church needs to live in this context here in this verse to live in harmony with others. It's talking with others within the household of faith. We need to work hard at, not, at handling pushback with dignity. Uh, not to be proud, but willing to associate with people who are of low position. 
And there the phrasing is people that may not be in your same uh, sphere, if you will. And do not be conceited because when we try to push back and we try to fight back, all of these other negative forces well up inside of us. And before you know it, they leak out. And we're going to get, we get pushed back now. When we open up, people will say, why now? Why not later? Why not sooner? Why this way? Why only 10 people? Why only fit? Whatever the number, eventual number will be. You're going to get pushed back. We need to be able to handle those with dignity and not be proud, willing to associate. Uh, he says here, it's, it's powerful because he says, don't pay evil for evil. And you know, in our culture, in our society, that's the way it is. If you do something, I'm going to make sure you pay. You need to suffer for what you have done. If you think about it very, in a very uh, strict way, that's contrary to Scripture. All of us, including me, were guilty, destined for hell, and the full wrath of God. So we didn't get what we deserved. Right? We didn't. God loved us, loved me, loved you watching us right now. And we did not die of that disease. We did not, we did not get uh, snuffed out by that, that moment of craziness that you went through. We need to be able to move forward. And if at all possible, live in peace with everyone. Don't desire anyone. Be careful to do what is, uh, to do what is right uh, before the Lord. We need to be able to, to live at peace with everyone and not take revenge, not pay back for what the way people are paying, uh, are moving toward us. Leave room for God. I love what he says in verse 19. Do not revenge, uh, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but keep, uh, leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God. God will sort things out. And that, that, that is not a cop-out. In fact, it takes a lot of strength to be able to pull back and say, Lord, you handled this situation. Look at what he says this. This is a powerful verse that's always spoken to me in, in specific moments in my journey when it says, uh, for it is written, it, God says, it is mine. Revenge is mine. I will repay. You know why that verse is there? You know what? We have to understand that revenge belongs to the Lord because God realized that a human being is not able to harness revenge. And what revenge will do, it'll destroy you and the people that you're taking vengeance on. So God is saying, this negative force is so powerful that I'm taking it back from you. Think about that for a moment. Mankind is capable of horrendous crimes. You don't have to go further than a knee going to the neck of someone until they can't breathe no longer. Mankind is the only species that destroys their own kind for no reason at all. In the animal kingdom, one animal kills the other because a mom is protecting her little ones or because they need to eat. That's the re Humans are the only ones that will kill another human for sport. And so God is saying, I need to take this back. And look, you that are watching me, people will hurt you, talk, talk about all that. It'll happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We need to make sure that we don't act the way our flesh is telling us. We need to handle the pushback with dignity. Opposition and persecution will come. Always bless and do not curse. Leave it in the hands of the Lord. Work hard to live in harmony. Do not repay evil with, with evil. Imagine if that's the way the world would function. Somebody has to do good. So we need to renew our thinking as we prepare to come back. We need to celebrate the diverse gifts that are among us. 
We need to love sincerely. We need to handle pushback with dignity. And then look at my fifth observation. This is the, clo- this is the closing point. Verse 21. He says, do not, over- uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I've captured this by this way. I said, beat evil by doing good. Don't just think good. Do good. Don't think it. Some people are going to go into eternity having thought of wonderful thoughts, but never did anything. You need to uh, put actions to our thoughts, and we need to beat down evil by doing good. Good has a way of neutralizing the toxic forces of evil, of harm. And even in this context that we're living now, where racism is showing its head again, and we have human maneuvers that we do to counter that, but at the end of the day, it's about doing good. If we do good, we're able to deflate the inflating negative powers of, of racism and other maladies that we're suffering today. Good. And I believe the church is the one that is the agent of good. The same goodness that has been given to you, give it out to others. In fact, I phrase it this way. Doing good is part of a mature Christian's walk. Only mature people can do good to others when we're in the middle of this evil world that we live in. And church, when we come back, what I envision when we open up our doors in the next few weeks and we start allowing the church to come back in to worship, this place will be wonderfully ready. The the space will be totally sanitized. Our team will be working in optimum form to be able to serve you. But I want us to come in to a place where others can feel welcome coming in as well. That the church will walk in knowing that this is, imagine church, we locked up for so long in their homes. Uh, The only feed of information has been the news which has been totally distorted and bringing so many crazy ideas into our thought. Imagine if it continues in this place. This place needs to be a sanctuary of peace. It needs to be a city of refuge. It needs to allow people to walk in and be able to sense it was worthwhile coming back to the house of the Lord. We need to hear people say that I I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And not do it because of obligation. People shouldn't come back to our churches because what will they say if I don't come back? No, you need to come back because you feel the presence of the Lord in this place. You feel that this is, you're, you're being welcomed back home. A place that will nourish you. And strengthen you. That's what I'm expecting in this place. So I'm challenging you, you PCCers that are home right now and watching us from wherever you are this beautiful Sunday, that you will start thinking about that as we prepare to come back. Don't just wait until the announcement. Start working now and strengthening your walk with God and allowing the Holy Spirit to mold you and shape you. In becoming the person not that left this place months ago, but a, play, a person with a renewed mind, a person that can love sincerely, a person that can handle pushback with dignity, a person that was, is able to do good and that way beat the forces of evil. If we do that, church, we will be able to then minister light into places of darkness, bring hope into a hopeless world, bring direction to those that will be worshiping with us in this place. I really hope that we're able to do that as we get ready to reopen and regroup again. Father, I thank you for the blessing that we have in you today. That we're able, dear God, to uh, combat these impulses that we have. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to mold our minds and renew our thinking. And that our thinking may not just stay as thoughts, but that we can also put actions to those thoughts. I pray, Lord, for this church, this congregation of believers, and all our friends that watch us as well. Some that will probably not be able to visit us because they're far, far away. But they connect this way with us. Lord, uh, Lord, let this restart be a powerful restart for us. That this church and this building might exude your presence, might invite your presence. That this congregation, Lord, will become servants of the Most High. And that we may allow your peace to permeate in this place, touching the lives of those that worship here, those that are connected with us as well, and also those new folk that will be coming. We know we're going to have a harvest of new people. Lord, I pray that this place may be that city of refuge, that place that we yearn to be as we continue in our walk and our journey with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.